Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Pickles and Vodka. I'm your host, Christina. It's Monday morning, and it's 7.15 a.m. I have to be at work in two hours, and I am snowed in. Like, as much as you can be snowed in in Seattle, it's only like an inch or two, but it's crazy. Uh, Being from Chicago, I'm used to, you know, lots and lots of snow. The second, you, you know, you get wind of snow, the plows are out, but that's none of that's happening here. The streets are still covered and not a soul is out. <laughs> and somehow I got to get myself to work in a few hours. So um, that should be fun. I want to take the bus, but also I feel like it's going to be even more unreliable than usual. And so I might just end up walking, you know, enjoy the sights. It, it is really gorgeous out there. I will say that. Hope you guys are having a great Monday. I mentioned last week that I was dealing with some health insurance stuff. So basically, um, I work for a big company with lots of locations all over the country. And so when I moved here, I found a new location to transfer to. And um, my manager back in Virginia, basically, instead of transferring me, she accidentally terminated me. So I lost all of my benefits, got locked out of the system, The last month has just been spent trying to get all of that back, and it's just been one little inconvenience after another, and obviously the biggest way it's affected me has been losing my health insurance, and um, like I, for a while it looked like I got it back, but then I had to contact my company to get me set up like in this region, because they had the wrong region listed, and it's just been a mess, and Um, Like I mentioned, I've been sick and unable to go to the doctor. And um, one thing that is really important to me now that I'm here established is finding a therapist so I can start addressing some of my mental health issues. Because I know this podcast isn't about recovery per se, but I am a huge advocate of self-betterment. And I do want, you know, even if I'm not feeling recovery all the time, I do want to make some concrete steps towards getting better, whatever that means. So I got my insurance back and then I have this like psych evaluation scheduled for Wednesday. Um, It's kind of scary, but I'm putting this out on the air for accountability so you guys like know what's going on with me on a mental health level. With that said, I'm really excited about this episode because it's all about friendship, which has been weighing on my mind a lot throughout this recent chapter of my life. You know, how to maintain the friendships you have, when to cut people out of your life, you know, how to be a good friend, whether you're mentally ill or you are friends with someone who is. Thank you for everyone who wrote in with stories or questions. I want to give a special shout out to Diane, who literally messaged me like while we were recording the episode and I never got to see her message till later but thanks for sending that in she basically asked how uh, hold on let me pull it up because I don't even I don't even remember because my life is a mess wow I need to check my phone more that's another thing I do when I am isolating. I like don't check my phone and the notifications just pile up. It, uh, it gets more and more like annoying. Um. Anyway, she basically asked like, do you feel as though, for example, there are risks to befriending other addicts? Like in her case, she was an addict. She basically says, are there risks to befriending other people with similar issues because you're scared that your addictions will like build up on each other? 
And it, um, while we didn't get to read her question, we do address what it's like when you are friends with people who are struggling in similar ways and what are the costs and benefits of that. So really excited to dive into it. Please keep sending me any questions you have or topics, ideas. I have a lot of great guests lined up for this month, as well as people who have reached out to me saying they want to be a guest. And it makes me so excited. Like, I love you guys. Excited to see where this podcast will go this month. So on that note, I'm just going to jump right into my conversation with Catherine, my guest. And I hope you guys enjoy. Um, do you want to like start by like introducing yourself and giving like a brief history of your mental health? Sure. Uh, so I'm Catherine. I'm 24 years old and uh, I'm a student. I'm in grad school. What are you studying? And physics. Whew. So you're one of those like smart people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. I aspire to be smart someday. I guess that's why you're getting your master's. Yeah. Okay. Sorry for interrupting. Continue. Oh, no worries. No worries. So, um, growing up, um, you know, I think I struggled with some depression, not really diagnosed. Um, but my, my mental health really started, um, to become a presence in my life in college. That was when I went through my first, uh, serious bout of depression. And I was also dealing with some, some other kind of unhealthy habits, I really started to struggle with um, perfectionism and uh, some kind of OCD-like symptoms. I don't want to say OCD because I haven't been diagnosed with that. But, right, right. but um, you know, things like skin picking and uh, just, you know, anxious habits. Did it? Oh, sorry. Sorry, was there something that brought that on? Or was it just like the transition into college, big life changes? It was partially that. It was partially the transition into college, um, the stress of having more schoolwork to do, and also trying to um, come to terms with my sexual orientation and trying to come out and all of that um, was also a lot of stress. Yeah, I can imagine. So it was a big time in my life. Yeah, Um, it's an understatement. Yeah. And so when I was in college, I was very much a workaholic. That was how I dealt with my stress by just pushing it all down and focusing on work very compulsively and taking far too many classes. And then when I got to grad school, I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to try to have a healthier balance. And that was a good decision, I think. But then I started having to find other coping mechanisms for my stress. So for a while, that turned into very much the other direction into work avoidance. Hmm. Um, picked up with the the skin picking again, and that's something I still kind of struggle with. And then eventually I developed an eating disorder, which is kind of the latest iteration of my maladaptive coping mechanisms. I feel like there's always something for people like us. Like you mentioned perfectionism and anxiety, I don't know. I've struggled with the same things. And I feel like no matter what coping mechanism it takes on, like there's always there always has to be something. Yeah, yeah. Because if if you're not able to get to the root of that anxiety and that stress, it has to come out in some way or another. Exactly. So um, you said you're still dealing with stuff. Are you, um, you know, in therapy or anything or seeking treatment? Yeah, I have a really great therapist who I've been seeing for a few years now, who is really 
been very helpful for me. And I am also in treatment for my eating disorder. I started treatment a few months ago when I realized that my physical health was just deteriorating pretty fast and really interfering with my ability to be productive in school. Mm -hmm. So now I'm seeing a dietitian and I have a meal plan. So that's been a real challenge and a lot of work. Yeah, um, sounds scary <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, you know, I wish that I could be all sunshine and rainbows and say, you know, my my life is so much more wonderful now that I'm in treatment. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of almost harder because it was a coping mechanism. And now I'm having to deal with everything that I was repressing before. Exactly. It's not all sunshine and roses. Like, I'd say it, it's like braver to give it up because you're, you know, facing life alone, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have that security blanket. So yeah, exactly. So I wanted to focus this episode on the topic of friendships, specifically friendships, um, when you have a mental, any men- kind of mental issue, like um, maintaining friendships, um, it, it's been on my mind a lot the last few weeks, because, you know, moving to a new state and losing the friends that I had, it's, um, and then, you know, going through my own mental issues, it's really shown me different sides of different friends. And it's really hard to have friendships when you're dealing with stuff. So I don't know you and you said you had some experience with that. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I know how daunting it can be to try and maintain friendships and find friendships through moving. uh, Because I moved around several times as a kid. And so I think that made it hard for me to develop lasting friendships, because especially as a kid, it's hard to stay in touch with people when you move away. Yeah. I don't know. You're, you're just a few years younger than me, but, um, I, I didn't have like a cell phone when I was a kid because I also moved around a lot. My dad was in the military. So like, you're not gonna text people or be on, you know, Snapchat or what have you, you know, that's what the kids are using these days, right? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I feel like we had less fewer resources to keep up with friends when we were that age. Yeah, it really is. And I think having that experience growing up kind of almost changed my viewpoint on friendships because I I think I have this subconscious sense now that friendships are transient. They're something that comes and goes. And so I'm trying to work on being more intentional about developing friendships and putting effort into friendships so that they'll last because I still find it easy to slide into that idea that, well, you know, I don't really need to to maintain these friendships because eventually I won't have to see these people again anyway. Right. And I, I like the word you used intentional, intentionalism. I don't know <laughs> what you said exactly. Um, being intentional about friendships, because I mean, on one hand, people do come and go out of your life and sometimes you can't control it. And that is something you have to accept, I think. But also, you know, like you said, you do have to be intentional about keeping people in your life because it takes a lot of work. Yeah, I think intentional is kind of my word for this year. I'm going to try and be more intentional about everything in my life. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something I could really stand to improve on. For sure. So um, what are some ways you're doing that with the friendships you have now? Well, 
I think a big part of it is to just, um, you know, identify who my closest friends are and make sure to to talk about the topic of, you know, what we're going to do when, you know, for example, when we graduate and we might not be living in the same place anymore to really make sure that that's a topic of communication so that we have less chance of just drifting apart. I think if you're aware of a transition ahead of time, you can be more prepared for it. For sure. And people do drift apart a lot. I I hate it when that happens. But unfortunately, that's pretty common. Mm -hmm. And I think it trying also to trying to figure out how the best way to phrase this, to work on setting aside time for friendships and to be um, because, you know, hanging out with friends spontaneously is great. And there's there's definitely a lot of space for that. But I think in order to really maintain a friendship, you can't rely on spontaneity all the time. Yeah. Um, well, and it just becomes less realistic the older and more uh-huh. busier you get. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm trying to be really mindful about um, not falling into the trap of relying on other people to schedule time to hang out because, you know, they're busy too and they, you know, might forget. And I need to, to remember that if I want to foster my friendships, I need to reach out to. For sure. Like, I struggle with the same thing. Like, starting in high school, like, I've, I've always been really socially awkward. And so I would just always be like, oh, I'll have friends someday when people invite me to hang out. But it's not going to happen, you know, unless you make it happen. Yeah. And what's yeah. the worst they're going to say, you know, n- no. Like, I, I'm always afraid they'll think I'm, you know, trying too hard or whatever. But I think if they're really someone that's good for you as a friend, they'll appreciate it. Yeah, I can really relate to that. And I think, you know, to tie this back into the topic of mental health, I think especially when you're someone that suffers from, you know, depression or anxiety or what have you, it's especially important to proactively think about these things and think through the process of of reaching out to friends and making plans and so on, because it's especially easy to fall into, you know, illogical thought patterns that are that are the result of, you know, the anxiety speaking, rather than, you know, the rational voice that wants what's best for you. Yeah, for sure. I think that can hold you back a ton. Like you might know that this person is interested in you and they, you know, they'll say yes to hanging out, but your inner voice will be like, no, like, who are you kidding? They're just, mm-hmm. you know, gonna say no. But that's definitely Yeah, no, I know. What, I know exactly what you mean. Another thing is just like making friends. Like, how do you even do that as an adult, you know? That was one like one question I got a couple times is like, how do you make friends as an adult, especially if you have, you know, mental health issues? You know, how do you get over it, so to speak, and, you know, initiate those hangouts or those conversations? Do, do you have yeah. any stories about that, from, like from your personal experience? Oh, well, that's a tough question. I yeah. feel like. I'm not even sure I'm the best person to ask this question to because I've kind of always been in school and mm. my my social circle has usually been mostly made up of people I know from school. That's right. You haven't but been I've, thrown out there yet. Yeah. 
It I'm graduating fun. soon, and it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, it's it sucks when you realize that you did have that huge circle of acquaintances like at your disposal, and you didn't really like. In my case, I feel like I didn't take advantage of it when I did go to school, and then I was out of school, and I was like, "Shit, where is everybody?" Mm-hmm. You definitely have to try yeah. harder. I do. I have been trying to widen my circle of friends lately, which is not easy. I think the internet can help in some ways. Oh, definitely. Um, so, you know, so I do have friends that I met initially on the internet and eventually was able to hang out with in real life. A lot of them are in other cities, though. That's the blessing and the curse of the internet. For sure. And I I know there's a lot of differing thoughts about online friends, but I, I love having friends scattered everywhere. Um, and again, you know, moving around a lot you know, each city I visit, there's a chance I know someone there. Yeah, no, I think it's really fantastic to have friends in a lot of different places. That's something that I really value. But in terms of, you know, finding friendships within my own city, I still do tend to rely pretty heavily on my social circle from school, which is that's definitely something that I'm still thinking a lot about. What am I going to do once I graduate and I don't have that, that safety net, as you said? Yeah. Do you, do you have like a plan in place? Like you said, you were kind of talking to your friends who, about drifting apart. Yeah, well, I want to try really hard to maintain those friendships that I have now, because I really value those and I don't want to lose them. And I've also been trying to get more into my hobbies lately, hoping that that's a way to meet more people. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Hobbies are great. What What kind of hobbies do you have? Uh, my main one is knitting. I love knitting. Cool. What do you knit? Um, all kinds of things. Uh, I tend to knit a lot of shawls. I really like doing shawls. Um, do sweaters have... sometimes. I feel like a sweater would be so hard to knit. Um, it depends on the pattern, really. It's actually not that hard to make a pretty simple sweater. H- have you met anyone through knitting so far? Or is that something you plan on like getting more into? Um, so I met people at my school through a school knitting group, people that weren't in my department who I probably wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, but I'm hoping to get more involved, you know, um, yarn shops tend to have social events a lot of the time. And so I'm, I'm planning to get more involved in that, um, and hopefully meet people that way through, you know, community knitting circles and so on. Do you find when you have the chance to go to events like that, you, your anxiety sometimes like prevents you from doing that? Yeah, for sure. It can be very intimidating. It can be it can be a lot easier to have that kind of avoidance feeling. You know, the same the same impulse that makes me want to procrastinate on getting a task done if I don't feel like I'm ready to do it perfectly mm. can also make me try to find excuses not to go to an event if I think, you know, I'm not in my 100% best mood right now, so maybe I should just stay home. Or, you know, they won't know me and uh, and I won't really belong. They'll, you know, they'll think I'm an intruder into their little circle. And I know these thoughts are illogical, and so I try to counter them, but they can be very loud sometimes. What other hobbies do you have? Well, I also play an instrument. Um, yeah, I play the contrabass clarinet. It's like, you said it's like a regular clarinet, but like bigger. Yes. Right? Yes. What What's, um, how big is the band you play with? Like how many people? It's fairly large. I would say it's about 
75 people. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of potential new friends right there. Yeah. So that's been a really great experience. And I think the great thing about doing something that's very group oriented like that is I have a really good reason to be regular about going to rehearsals. Because if I don't go, then they're missing my part and then I'm letting people down. Hmm. And so even if I'm not really feeling like going, I have that strong motivation to show up. And then I'm always glad that I did, even if I was, you know, even if before rehearsal, I was feeling like, oh, I don't want to go to band today. By the end, I'm always glad that I went. Yeah, for sure. I I find that too, like, when I have forced myself out of my comfort zone and do something that involves other people, I'm never, I never regret it. Unless, (laughs) I mean, it, it hasn't happened yet, knock on wood. But um, putting yourself out there to meet new people can be a good thing, I think. Especially if it involves your hobby. Because then you automatically have something in common. Uh, So going back to your childhood, I feel like we should talk more about your journey because we just kind of like brushed past it. Do you still keep up with any of the friends from back then? Sadly, not as much as I wish I did. I still have a handful of people on Facebook who I knew in my childhood, but we're not really still regularly in touch. Actually, now you're kind of inspiring me to reach out to some of those people and reconnect. Yeah, I think that's another way, like, thing, another way to initiate stuff is, like, reaching out to old friends. We all like to shit on Facebook these days, but it can be a good tool for finding those people from your past, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm not really a very avid user of Facebook, but I do think that it's really good to just stay connected to those old friends. Sometimes I hear my parents' generation saying, you know, you had to keep track of everybody's phone number whenever they changed it because if, you know, if you didn't get that new phone number, they were lost to you forever. So I think it's good that that doesn't have to be the case anymore. Did you find it easier to make friends when you were a kid? Or did you notice it getting harder, like, as you got older and your stuff started, like, your mental health stuff started coming up? I think I had a hard time making friends as a kid because I just, you know, I was kind of a misfit. I uh, I was kind of shy and nerdy, and I kind of, you know, felt like I wasn't quite fitting in with the other kids. Um, but I did find some friends, and, you know, once I had those friends, it wasn't too hard to maintain those friendships at least for a little while it was nice as a kid to be you know uh, to eventually find uh the little circle of misfits that could all hang out together yeah exactly (laughs) then you had to move yeah exactly so i just kept having to do that several times why did you move around so much uh just for my dad's job for your dad's job he works in video games actually oh that's cool um it sounds cool. Um, until you have to it's, move. Uh, until until you have to move. Yeah, it's um, it's a volatile industry. There, it's it's full of a lot of small companies and startups that are sometimes successful and sometimes not so successful. And so, so that means that people end up having to change jobs fairly frequently. Did you ever like resent him for it? No, no. I think when I was a really young kid, I didn't have a very good understanding. I think of exactly how employment worked and why we kept moving around. Um, And then when I got a little older, 
um, and was able to understand it more. I, I was able to see that it was hard on him too. And it wasn't the, it wouldn't have been his first choice. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he probably doesn't like moving around all the time either. Yeah. So I think I, I ended up with some resentment towards that system, but, uh, but not towards my dad. That's good. Um, so you mentioned coming out. Do you want to talk about that? Like how that journey has been? Yeah. So I came out, uh, well, I, I mean, coming out is a process. I started coming out in college and, uh, I, I would say by the time I graduated from college, I was pretty much out to everybody, but it was a whole process. I think I was sort of a late bloomer. So I didn't even really start to come out to myself until my first and second year of college. When, when did you first realize you were gay? I would say when I was 16, but I was still kind of in denial about it then. It took a couple of years for me to really overcome that denial and come to terms with myself and be able to be okay with that. But for a while, it was very difficult. And um, and I was struggling with a lot of depression and, you know, self-loathing. And I I dealt with it by throwing myself into my schoolwork because if I was just constantly busy with classes and homework all the time, I didn't have to think about, you know, these feelings that made me uncomfortable. When did you like finally start addressing them? You said in college? Yeah. So in college, um, I dated a boy very briefly and that experience just made me realize that I wasn't interested in men. And so I couldn't be in denial anymore. Yeah. I really had to, I had to face the facts. And so, you know, I had my whole process of self-discovery and, um, and I started, you know, reading, reading books and, uh, watching movies and TV that were themed around gay issues and, and I think just, you know, as I was able to internalize the idea that I wasn't alone, there was a, a community of people uh, that would be there for me. And, um, and I didn't, you know, have to just leap blindly into a life that I didn't understand how to live. Right. Uh, that was when I started to feel more okay. Were you in a community like physically that would support you? Or do you did you feel like you couldn't talk to people about it? Um, I slowly started talking to a few people. It, my my process of coming out was fairly slow. I, I confided in a few close friends first. And as I became more comfortable with the fact, I started telling more people. And then um, just after I graduated from college, I finally told my parents. Oh, how did that go? <laughs> it was fine, actually. I think, you know... Actually, I think my dad had already guessed that I was gay before I told him. My mom was surprised, but supportive. So I'm grateful that I had a family that would support me. Yeah, that's that's really a gift. Mm -hmm. uh, the the first few friends you told, how were, did they react to it? I think they were surprised, um, but but they were very kind and supportive as well. I really got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't lose any close friendships or family members when I came out. Yeah, I was going to ask because I know, you know, that's an issue for a lot of people when they do have that discussion about, you know, their sexual orientation or gender or whatever that can alienate a lot of people. Yeah, I was very fortunate that that didn't really happen to me. Right. So um, 
do you have anything else you want to add about your own mental health journey or notes on friendship in your life? Well, I guess I would say that my friendships, especially in the last couple of years, have been a real source of support for me in in dealing with mental health issues that would that that have become, I guess I would say, somewhat more severe over the last couple of years than they were previously. But I do have, you know, I still, I've never been a person that has a huge social circle, but I do have some, some close friends right now, a few who have just been incredibly supportive to me. And I think there's a lot of value in finding friends that you can be honest with about what you're going through. Some of my close friends, um, you know, also deal with their own issues and, um, and see therapists and, and I really value being able to have those honest discussions because I think it helps you to feel less alone. You know, ultimately, it's going to help our society to overcome the stigma about mental health issues if people are able to feel more comfortable being honest about what they're going through. Not necessarily with the whole wide world, but, you know, but at yeah. least with the people close to us. Yeah, like one, if you can just be honest with one person, like that's already a huge accomplishment. And I couldn't agree more, like surrounding yourself with people you are comfortable with that not necessarily have to have that in common with you, but it definitely helps. So what are your thoughts on toxic friendships? Like, because I know there's a fine line when you do surround yourself with people that have similar struggles to you. Sometimes you guys can rub off on each other and it can kind of drag both of you down because that's happened to me and I wanted to know Mm -hmm. and it's like a very tricky thing to talk about it is it is I've definitely struggled at some points with friendships with people where the friendship got too intense like mental health can kind of come and go in cycles sometimes you're doing better and sometimes you're not doing so well and if you wind up both on kind of the the downward part of that wave at the same time, it can really be kind of self-reinforcing and drag you both down. Which sucks because, um, you, you know, it's not something you can exactly plan for. Yeah. So I think it's, it's definitely also important to be able to evaluate and recognize when a friendship is more draining than enriching you. Um, and to be able to, and to be able to kind of, you know, mindfully disengage from some of those interactions. And I think the trick, again, to go back to, to that word intentional, is to be intentional about it and to be able to, you know, be honest with yourself that something is not healthy for you and to be able to take a step back, not in a way that's going to be um, dramatic or blow up or, you know, right. cause a big falling out, but just in a way that's that's recognizing the needs of everybody involved. What would that look like? Like, say you had a friend um, who struggles with the same thing you do and, you know, you're both going through that downward spiral at the same time and you need to step back, but it's someone you really care about and you don't want Mm -hmm. it to blow up. You know, what would you do in that situation? Well, I think really the only thing you can do is be gentle but honest and say, you know, I know you're going through a lot um, and I really want to be there for you. But, you know, I think right now I don't have the capacity to provide all of the support that you need, you know, so maybe can we talk about ways that you can 
reach out to other people, maybe reach out to professionals to get the support that you need so that we can both thrive. Yeah. And and I think you do have to face the possibility too, if they don't respond well to that, then maybe it's not a person you should have in your life right now, which is, you know, really, really hard. Yeah, exactly. You do need to, you know, to be able to have boundaries. And if somebody doesn't respect your boundaries, then that's a red flag. For sure. I had I kind of had that happen to me um, a few weeks ago. I, I kind of wanted to get someone's opinion on this because I, I think in that scenario, I was the person who didn't respond well. So like I had this friend and we had known each other for years. Um, we used to like get drunk together all the time and just shoot the shit. I hadn't planned on hanging out with them that night, but so I was, you know, drinking alone and they texted me and they were like, hey, you want to hang out? And I was like, sure. So we went and hung out and apparently like they weren't expecting me to be drunk and it really upset them. And they sent me like a text message a few days later saying, hey, you made me really uncomfortable. Just let me know in the future if you plan on being like that, which, you know, is fair, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I texted them, you know, apologizing, but also saying, you know, I wasn't expecting to go out that day. And then I asked them out to lunch because I wanted to talk it out. You know, I don't want to talk about it over text. And then they just ghosted me and I haven't heard from them again in weeks. And so I'm wondering, you know, am I the toxic person in that scenario? Like, if I've been asking myself, is there anything I could have done differently? Because it is hard when, like, mental health does not excuse shitty behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like, but also... If you are friends with someone who, you know, is experiencing, you know, addiction or depression or what have you, I'm not saying give them a pass. It's just kind of a tricky situation. It is. It is. And, you know, I think uh, I think the fact that you're reflecting and being mindful and and asking yourself these questions already says a lot, you know, about you as a person. Yeah, I don't know. I I want to reach out to them more, but also I feel like they're making the choice to make me like, maybe it's healthier for them to disengage with me, you know? Yeah, that could, that could be the case. And, you know, there could be other factors at play that you're not aware of too. I guess that's the thing about friendships is you can never know the whole story of what's going on in someone else's mind. Yeah. And I guess sometimes unless they choose to tell you, you're just never going to know, which just sucks. (laughs) Yeah. And I do, like, I know we have a lot of advice for people with mental issues on, you know, making friends, but I also want to talk about advice to give to people who are friends with mentally ill people. There's things to say and not to say, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Does anything jump out to you that you wish you could tell people who are friends with you or? Yeah, I guess, I guess I would say to, you know, I guess, to reassure people that, um, that if I, if I seem to be going through a period where I, where I seem to be withdrawn or less enthusiastic about, about things, um, that, 
it's not that I don't like them anymore or don't want to be friends. It may just be that I'm, you know, feeling overwhelmed or have a lot of other stuff going on or I'm going through a period where my mental health isn't so good. Um, and I, and I don't feel like I'm up to the task of as, as much socializing, you know, whether or not it's actually, um, necessarily a healthy decision for me to make to isolate myself and I was going Um, to ask you I was going to ask you also um do you wish people reached out to you more when you are in those isolation periods or did you is it something you just need to like write out hmm I think I would say you know I can't speak for other people because I think this is something that everybody would have their own individual opinion about right um I think for me personally, if people I'm not very close with seem to notice that I'm acting odd, that makes me feel self-conscious. But I do like it when when my closest friends notice that I'm going through a hard time and reach out to me. That yeah. makes me feel safe and supported. And it is hard to pick up the signs if you're not educated and if you don't know the person. And I think sometimes it, it's hard as the mentally ill person to communicate to people that this is why I'm acting this way. Cause it's not yeah. something you can just bring up in conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know, it may be, you may be afraid of being judged or afraid of, of oversharing and making the other person uncomfortable. It's a difficult thing to bring up and it's a difficult thing to know how to bring up, even if you know you want to. Yeah. Especially with newer people like oh it's so hard like making friends like I mean the sometimes it's easy like making the initial acquaintance but then it's hard once you're like in the different phases of friendship to know when to go to the next step yeah exactly it's like that that middle ground where you know you're past the initial getting to know you phase but you're you're not quite at the point where you're very close and you've you've developed that rapport already like, what kind of advice can you offer someone who's trying to decide how much to disclose at what point with a new friendship? Because you don't want to scare someone away, but also I do think it is important to talk about these things. Yeah. For you, how have you approached it personally? What I would say is maybe um, maybe to bring up, you know, mental health as a general topic of conversation, you know, before getting into detail about your own history, to develop the friendship to the point where you can talk about those topics, you know, talk about uh, people see mental health professionals and the fact that these issues exist. Um, And I think that can be a way to sort of test the waters and see where the other person stands on those topics and and to also develop develop your conversations naturally to a point where where you can bring up topics like that. That's really good advice, actually. Sometimes, like when I tell people I have a podcast and they ask me what it's about, I say mental health, and so far the reactions have been, "Oh, cool," and then silence, or <laughs> just nervous laughter. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's not something people don't really know what to say. You know? Yeah, exactly. Because there is that stigma, you know, and even if they're not judging you, they may be feeling self-conscious that they'll say the wrong thing and make you feel judged or, you know, there's all kinds of factors. Yeah, for sure. I got another message from 
someone and I'm trying to think of how to work it in the conversation. It's about toxic relationships. So basically, like, one piece of advice she had is it's okay. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about cutting out people from your life. So we talked Uh about, like, maintaining friendships and making friends um, and losing friends, maybe. But I think one thing we haven't talked about is intentionally cutting people out from our lives. Uh, Have you had any experience with that? Yeah, I've never had to cut someone out from my life entirely. But I can think of one person in particular who I've had to take a very large step back from. This is somebody who who also struggles a lot with mental health, um, but is not very, you know, intentional about working on the ways that that impacts her life and is not respectful of other people's boundaries, even when those boundaries are clearly articulated. So I think what I've had to do when dealing with this person is just, um, you know, stating my boundaries in a way that's very clear and then if she chooses not to respect them then then that helps me to not feel guilty about taking a step back because I have because I've very clearly stated what my needs are and if that can't be respected then you know then the ball's not in my court anymore yeah and you know sometimes it's not even like things they're doing outrightly sometimes it's just a feeling you get around them like the mm-hmm. s- the story that was sent to me um, by a listener she talked about this friend of hers and her boyfriend and um you know the three of them hung out all the time and there were little things he did that were warning signs like one time he got angry and like threw some car keys enough hard enough to dent the car and they felt really uncomfortable, but they were like, whatever, it was a one-time thing. And then, you know, he, they would all get drunk and he would do really shitty things like make out with someone else's girlfriend. And they kept thinking, oh, it's, you know, he can do what he wants. He's not affecting us. But then, you know, she ended up being assaulted by him. And it was like one of the worst things she's ever gone through. And there were so many warning signs, but they just kept him in their life. I don't know. Basically, she says um, it's important to realize that it's okay to cut out toxic friends, even if they didn't do anything to you specifically, because toxic behavior is not okay, however it comes. And though it's hard, sometimes you have to step back, even if it hasn't affected you. And then in parentheses, she puts yet. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. It's so hard to cut people out, though. Like, for me, I just... I hate confrontation and I, I, I'm like you, I don't have a lot of friends. My social circle is very small. So the people that I do have, if for whatever reason I do need to cut one of them out, I feel really guilty about it. And I feel like I won't ever find any new friends. Yeah, I definitely can understand that feeling. I think, you know, it's like I struggle a lot with feeling guilty about, you know, things that I really don't need to feel guilty about you know i i'm hoping that someday i can really internalize the idea that it's okay to protect my needs um that doesn't make me selfish i i gotta i i like the phrase you have to put on your own oxygen mask before helping others oh yeah that's that's really useful in the context of friendship too Mm-hmm. especially friendship with another person who's struggling. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's really important to 
remember that there's a difference between being selfish and hurting other people versus understanding what your genuine fundamental needs are and protecting yourself uh, from situations that are going to prevent you getting those needs met. Exactly. What What are some ways you've been doing that lately? A big one is... Um, you know, what kind of what we were talking about before, being able to recognize when you and another person are getting uh, caught up in kind of a self-reinforcing spiral and being able to take a step back um, and also being able to be honest about, um, you know, when you are or aren't able to provide emotional support to another person. Um, you know, I have I have a few close friendships where we do, you know, where we are very honest with each other and we provide ourselves with or provide each other with a lot of emotional support, which is really great, but you can't be your friend's therapist all the time. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's where I struggle the most too. It's like you want to be there for your friend all the time, but you can't. Yeah. And so I think, uh, I've really been trying to work on, um, being able to recognize when I'm not in a place where I can provide that kind of support and, you know, and being able to be honest and say, Hey, you know, I, I would love to be there for you, but you know, right now I can't be everything that you need. Yeah. It's so hard to say the words, but I think once you do, you'll find people are more understanding than you think. Like I have a friend that's been really supportive throughout the years and we've, you know, there's been times where we didn't talk as much because I I tend to avoid people when I get depressed. And I, I mean, I have like lost, maybe not lost friendships, but like weakened friendships as a result. And one day I just told her like, hey, I'm sorry, I haven't been checking my messages because I just didn't have the mental energy. And she understood and it was fine. So I think people will understand if you are honest, like you said, like honesty is super important, but you yeah. do have to articulate that and that can be hard for some people. Yeah. And I think another area where honesty can be really important is um, eating disorders. For example, if you're struggling with an eating disorder, I've had to, I've had to have conversations, you know, I haven't told a lot of people about my eating disorder because it feels like something that's kind of private that I don't want the whole world to know. But I have had to say to a few of my close friends, hey, you know, I know a lot of our social life can revolve around food sometimes. Um, Sometimes. (laughs) Or 100% of the time. Yeah. And uh, and so I want you to know that um, I'm going to do my best to participate in those things. But but also if I'm not feeling up to that at some times, it's not personal. That's that takes guts to say to someone like to, you know, I mean, even if it's a close friend, like that can be hard. Did they react? Like, how did they react when you said that? Surprised, but you know, supportive. And I think you know, when I told my my two close friends about this, they didn't really know exactly what to say in response. But I followed it up with, I just wanted to put this out that you know, I don't I don't expect you to say anything specific, and I am getting help for it so you don't need to worry about me and then they said well you know I'm glad that uh that you're getting help and let me know if there's anything that I can do to to be supportive which I thought was really nice that is really awesome 
Do you feel like you were able to say that to them because you were in a place of seeking help? Yes. Yes. When I was in the worst of my eating disorder, I I didn't feel able to tell anybody about it. I felt as though I was, you know, I was very much caught up in my own mind and in my own world. And it was strange because I kept sort of expecting at some point that somebody would notice what was going on with me. But, um, but it's easy to have these like anxiety fueled thoughts that, that everything you're doing is, you know, is so obvious to everybody. And there's some big neon sign flashing above your head saying, alert, this is, this is a weirdo right here. She, uh, her life is a mess, yes. but in reality, that's not really how it works. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's consumed with thoughts about themselves. Like that's the brutal truth to it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's brutal because you know, who doesn't want to be the center of attention, <laughs> but also it's comforting to know that no one really gives a shit sometimes. Yeah. But it's just like we were talking about earlier with wanting the friends to just approach you like you're not taking the initiative you're just waiting it's like waiting for someone to notice how sick you are and ask if you're okay but that never happens and I don't know like how did when you were in that place how did that affect your friendships well I was I was very much isolating myself during that time um because uh I was trying to avoid you know, seeing food or being around food as much as possible. So that excluded me from a lot of social events. I was consumed with my eating disorder thoughts all of the time. My physical health was declining. And so I didn't feel that I had the energy to participate in, you know, the things that I would otherwise have liked to do. And so all of that had the effect of really isolating me from my wider social circle and also even from my close friends. That's definitely one of the worst side effects to any mental illness is the isolation mm-hmm. because it, it feeds into the whole disorder. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, sure, there are people that are toxic and that can be detrimental to your mental health, but also people are it's good to be around people. Like I have a goal of talking to one live person a day. You know, it's, that's really good. It's like medicine you know, human interaction. And yeah, I mean, online friends count too. I don't discount that. But there's just something about getting out into the world and talking just to a person, like even if it's like the cashier at a store. Yeah, absolutely. Don't isolate. That would be my advice. Like, (laughs) even if you have to take baby, baby steps to keep yourself from isolating. I agree. I think that's maybe the number one thing to try and, you know, like if you're trying to work on self-improvement in the midst of dealing with mental health issues, that's definitely one of the most important things to be mindful about and things to work on is, is not to isolate yourself. You know, if you gotta, if you gotta fight one disordered thought, fight that one. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think you said self-improvement, That's also really important. Like, you can't be a good friend. Like, you can go to all the events, you know, you can physically show up. But if you're not in a good place mentally, like, you're not going to be a good friend. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is worth it. You know, maybe you do need alone time to, you know, pursue a hobby or just 
recharge your batteries. I don't think that's the same as isolating per se. Yeah. Isolating would be avoiding people specifically because, you know, because you're afraid of the interaction or because, you know, you have some specific ideas about what the event or the interaction will be like that that you find unappealing or um or frightening because of those disordered thoughts um whereas whereas recharging is you know it's putting on your oxygen mask yeah i totally agree and like little things that can you know treat yourself (laughs) or whatever (laughs) yeah It, it all it all adds up Like, um, Mm -hmm. one thing that I like to do every week is, like, recommend something that has, like, brightened my life. And this week, it's totally been plants. Yeah. I never really had plants before. I killed everything in sight. And so since moving here, I've been spending way too much money on plants. And I just love it. It's, like, a, a hobby that has definitely improved my life. Not just growing them, but, like, eating them. I've been, like, cooking a lot more vegetables lately, like Brussels sprouts. Never had them growing up. Um, and I discovered them, like, last week, and I'm just obsessed. And are That's you awesome. Are you a vegan? Yes. Yeah. So h- how do you feel like that has affected your mood, if it has at all? I don't Well, you know, I, I think being vegan has, has been good for me, um even if for no other reason than physically um, not eating dairy helps me feel a lot better. I was in denial for a long time about being lactose intolerant. And then I finally had to cut out milk. And then um, eventually I went vegan. And I think feeling better physically as a result of that change also helps my mood. (laughs) I definitely find that uh, it's harder to be happy when you have a stomach ache. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my cool thing to recommend would be, you know, buy yourself a little plant, maybe try a vegetable or something that you've been afraid of. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have anything cool you want to recommend, like a book or a podcast or something? Um, Yeah, sure. Last was it last weekend? Yeah, last weekend, I went on a ski trip with some friends. And it was just really fantastic we went out into the mountains and saw some beautiful views and um did some skiing and got moving and that was really great so um you know it doesn't necessarily have to be skiing i know not everybody you know lives near the mountains or anything but what i would say is you know getting outside and getting moving can really wonders for your mood especially if it's with other people exactly and it could be as simple as going for a walk around the park yeah Um, I live next to a lake and so I've been walking around it a couple times a week and it really does make my day better. mm -hmm. That's so great that you were able to do that with your friends. And like, I want to add on to what everything else we've said, if you can find like a group activity to do that's physical and that's outside, that's a great way to make friends and also to take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's a win-win situation. It really is. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you for making this podcast. Oh, no problem. I'm glad that people care about what we have to say, (laughs) I guess. I don't know (laughs) if they really do care. Maybe no one's listening, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the most important thing, right? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. What you are, too. What are your weekend plans? Oh, well, uh, so I have this online Dungeons and Dragons group that I'm doing tomorrow. Oh, nice. I'm such a nerd. No, I love it. I don't even play Dungeons and Dragons, but I have a friend who does. And do you know what Critical Role is? I've heard of it. Is it like a TV show? Yeah, it's just a bunch of voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons together. That's funny. (laughs) But yeah, I don't even play and I watch that. So I (laughs) I kind of know what it is, but not really. (laughs) But it's really cool. Yeah. So, So I'm doing that tomorrow. And then other than that, I don't know, probably just errands getting stuff done cleaning up around the house nice that's like the perfect mixture of productive and fun it's the ideal weekend because you can feel like you know you weren't totally lazy and you got something important done but you also had a good time and you know we're able to enjoy yeah you talked talk to some people <laughs> exactly well i hope everyone else listening has a great week as well uh this will come out on monday so yeah let's kick this week's ass yes <laughs> got this Bye. Bye.